You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. Morning, everybody. Uh, We're in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, starting at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those whom you learned it, and, from ha- and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hello again. As I said before, my name is Adam. Um, Please have your Bibles open as we think about this passage. Uh, As I said, there's a a kid's uh, sermon sheet and big people, if you need something to help you concentrate as well, there's a sermon outline on the welcome card webpage so you know where we're going in this passage. Um, As we come to think about these words from God, let's pray and ask that he would be with us. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would speak that you would speak to us through your word, that we would uh, not just hear my voice today, but we would hear your voice as you uh, communicate to us, as you relate to us. May we know your presence and may we uh, be shaped, may we grow, may we know how to live well in your world as we submit to you, listen to you and love you. Amen. Not that long ago, I found myself lying on my bed in the middle of the night, crying. Tears were silently running down my cheeks onto my pillow, so I tried to keep it together and not wake up Tracy. The tears were flowing because I'd just finished reading Cloud Street by Tim Winton. Have you ever had that experience where you finish reading a book and it's been like a whole thing for you? You you had a whole bunch of feelings and now it's come to an end and you look around you and nobody else cares and they're all going about their lives as if the world hasn't just suddenly dramatically changed. It's not fair, is it? Books can move us and shape us. They can also give us an insight into the author. Over Christmas, I read Sir Patrick Stewart's autobiography. Some of you may know him as a great Shakespearean actor. Those with more refined tastes like myself will know him as Captain Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek or Professor Charles Xavier from the X-Men movies. That's why I read it. Uh, After reading this book, I actually did feel that I'd come to know Stuart as a man, come to know him better, to understand what made him tick, what drove him. It was actually quite inspiring at points. That's what a good book can do. Good books help us to connect with others, to to know them, to understand them better. Good books can help us even connect with ourselves, to understand ourselves better. They change us, they challenge us. And that's especially true of the greatest book ever written. Do you know which one I'm thinking about? The Bible, that's right, that's why we're here for church, to talk about the Bible. But it's true. 
It's an ancient book with timeless truths that speak into our modern age. It's the very word of God so that in its pages we encounter the God who created us. It's the only reliable text in the ups and downs and changes of life. Now, I'm sure you know all these things, but I'm also sure that you struggle to read your Bible at times, just like me. Which is why I want to open up the Bible today and see what we can do to fire our hearts up for engaging with God's word. And we're going to see what practical steps we can do to make sure this is happening. Since we're currently looking at 2 Timothy in our sermons at DPC, I thought it'd make sense to go to one of the most famous passages about the Bible, which is found in this very letter. What I want to show you from... 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 17, is that God has provided us with the Bible as a special gift. It's a gift from him so that we can know him and know how to live in his world. And so after looking at how God relates to us through the Bible and how God transforms us through the Bible, we'll consider some practical steps, some tips, so that we can be involved in that. So let's look at our first point. God relates to us through the Bible. As we've been learning, 2 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the young pastor Timothy. And Paul is trying to encourage him in his ministry so that he might have courage to speak the true message about God and the gospel and so that he might persevere in the face of trials and hardships. In verses 10 to 13 of chapter 3, Paul speaks about all the persecutions that he's endured in the face of godless people. And he says that will be the lot for anyone who wants to live a godly life. But there's hope because we have the Bible, which is about God. Have a look at verses 14 and 15 in your Bible. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let's just hone in on that phrase, Holy Scriptures. We're so used to it that we probably forget what it actually means. Another way of saying it is sacred writings. This is helpful because the basic meaning of the word Scripture is simply something that is written down. And at a very basic level, the the Bible is a collection of various types of written documents. What makes them sacred is that they are about God. We must not forget that the Bible is primarily about God, not about us. I mean, we are featured prominently in the Bible. That's because we rebelled against God and stuffed everything up and we need rescuing. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, rejected God's commands and turned away from his love. They were cast out of the garden and came under God's displeasure. God therefore set in action his rescue plan, which would save humans from death and eternal separation from their creator. So kids, listen up. up. Here's the answer for the first question on your sheets. In the process of revealing this plan of salvation, the scripture tells us about God. They tell us who he is, what he is like, what he demands of his people. If we want to know our creator, then we need to come to the sacred writings 
to encounter him. These writings include the books of the Old Testament. There's the Torah or the law, which is the first five books. Then there are the history books like Joshua and 1 Kings and Esther. Then there's the poetry books like Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. Then there's the major prophets like Isaiah and Daniel and the minor prophets like Jonah and Malachi. 39 books in total, which would have made up what a young Timothy would have known as the sacred writings or holy scriptures. Today, we would add the books of the New Testament. These are the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, accounts of Jesus' life. Then there's the book of Acts. Then there's all of the letters, including 13 written by Paul, and that's also this one that we're studying about now. And finally, the book of Revelation. These 27 books make up the New Testament. So the Bible is made up of 66 books, and they're all about God. Now, we should just pause and think about that for a moment. These books were written by dozens of people over many centuries, yet there is an amazing unity of message. The Bible is a single book made up of many parts that consistently reveal to us the same thing. There is an almighty God who created us and who loves us. He's enacted a plan to rescue us and to gather us as a people. This is done through God the Father, sending God the Son to live and die as a man. And through God the Holy Spirit, applying to us the saving work of God the Son. The Bible is all about a God who loves us. It's about a rescue plan centred on the Lord Jesus. It's all about the new life that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a God-centred message that makes the Bible a book of sacred writings. This is the Holy Scriptures that we've been blessed with. But it's even better than that. See, the Bible's not just about God. They are sacred writings from God. Let's turn to 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. And kids, listen up. Here's the answer for the second question on your sermon sheet. Paul starts by saying, all scripture is God-breathed. Being God-breathed is about divine inspiration. You've heard that phrase before. When we speak about inspiration today, we often mean the source of an idea. You know, we're inspired by the world and people to create art and poetry and literature. We're inspired by our role models. Divine inspiration means that God is the source or origin of the Bible. But it's not simply that you know, prophets reflected on God and then felt inspired to write things down because then how do we know that what they said was actually true? Rather, God is the source, the origin of the content. He ensured that the right words were written down. And so we can think about inspiration, but we could also think about another word, expiration, in that the Bible is God-breathed, it's expired, it's breathed out. By God. Have a listen to 2 Peter 1, verse 21. The Apostle Peter says, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So think about it this way 
When we read the Bible, we are reading the words of a human author with their unique style and vocabulary. But we aren't just hearing from them, we are ultimately hearing from God. When we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is at work in our hearts, making the words on the pages living and active. They are the living and active words of God so that we're engaging with the one who created us. Now, I'm the first to admit that it could be hard to grasp what does it mean for God to speak to us through a long genealogy or through a speech from a long-dead king of Israel. That's why it helps to remember that God is revealing different aspects of himself in different parts of the Bible. He reveals his plan for the world and for the church. He reveals his beauty and his majesty. He reveals his heart for the lost and the needy. He reveals his holiness and justice. He reveals the examples of how to live well in his world. Some passages are much easier than others to really appreciate that God is speaking to us to be able to perceive that. But he does communicate through all scripture because all scripture is God-breathed. Here's one more thought on God's act of breathing out the Bible. God is an invisible, intangible being who doesn't operate in the world via physical means. Rather, he chooses to operate through his words, through his speech. That's how he communicates, but that's how he works. That's how he changes people. That's how he brings people together, through his word. And so where God is at work in the world, his word will be there too. Where God's word is present in the world, God will be there too. So if you want to be where God is at work, if you want to know God, if you want to hear from him, then you need to go where his word is. You need to go to the Bible. The Bible consists of sacred writings about God and from God so that we can know him and love him. It's worth keeping in mind as we move on to our next main point, that God transforms us through the Bible. That's because the Bible is not a list of rules and tasks for us to do. The Bible is God's communication with us so that he can personally transform us, but also draw us ever closer to himself. So here's our next main idea. God transforms us through the Bible. Turn your eyes again to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Before we think about the role of the Bible in the life of the Christian, let's briefly consider how it's able to make even the unbeliever wise for salvation. So Paul tells Timothy that his lifelong knowledge of the Holy Scriptures is useful because it helped him to come to faith in Christ. The Old Testament doesn't mention Jesus by name, yet because Timothy had grown up reading the Old Testament, he recognised that Jesus was the one who'd been promised to come. And so as we read through the law, through the history books, the prophets, even the poetry, we're being prepared for trusting Jesus. The whole Bible points to him and helps us to understand why it is that he came, why it is that he died. He came as the sacrificial lamb, as the suffering servant, as the serpent crusher, as the saving king. 
And the Bible points to the need for faith. We might read it and think, oh, it's just a whole bunch of people trying to be good and follow all the rules. No, the Bible shows us that none of us are good enough. Even the great hero of the faith, Abraham, was saved by faith alone. He trusts in God's promises. The Holy Scriptures show us that we are saved by faith and we need to trust in God. And so the sacred writings are good for all of humanity because any human can read them and learn about their need for salvation and the way of salvation. So if you're here today, you're not yet a Christian, you're kind of not sure how this Jesus stuff all works, then let me encourage you to seriously engage with the Bible. Don't just listen to what I have to say, listen to what God has to say through his word. It reveals the one true path to true life. A path that's been paved by the life and death of Jesus. He's done all the hard work and he will carry us down that path if we'll simply entrust our lives to him. Now, once someone has become wise for salvation, the Bible is able to transform them. That's because it, uh, it equips the believer for godly living. It's our next sub-point. Have a look again at verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Being in a relationship with God changes everything. It changes how we view ourselves, how we view others, how we view the meaning of life, how we view the kind of purpose, our purpose on this planet. God calls his people to do good works in this world so that we can live out our new identity, so that we can be a blessing to others, not, not to be saved, but because we are saved. Yet we struggle to do good. We struggle to know how do we make wise decisions at school, at uni, at our work, how do we love those around us? And we need scripture to be able to do this. And so Paul lists four ways that it's able to help us. So kids, listen up. Here's an answer for the third point on your sermon sheet. The first activity that scripture is useful for is teaching. This means instructions in the truths of the faith. The Bible tells us what we are to believe about God, the world, humanity, sin, salvation, life and death. We could put this in the category of doctrine. The second activity the scripture is useful for is rebuking. Maybe not a word that we like that much. This means pointing out sin and error. It's when we fail to live in a godly way or maybe we get our doctrine and thoughts about God wrong. I mean, what do you do when you see a fellow Christian acting in ungodly ways or speaking falsehoods about God? Well, you go to the Bible and you show them that they are wrong. This means it's not just your opinion, you're not kind of fighting over each other's opinions, you're looking at what the Bible says so that we can actually rebuke people in a helpful way, not just going, oh, I don't kind of like the way you say that. The third activity the scripture is useful for is correcting. This means restoring to the right way. It's kind of like the second step after rebuking. Some Christians are great at condemning everything they see that's wrong in the world but they're not good at actually saying, but here's what we should be doing instead. Correcting can also mean fixing something up, like wonky beliefs. And the fourth and final activity the scripture is useful for is training. This means coaching in living the Christian life. So it's not enough to just have doctrine in your head. You need to know how to live it out. And so the Bible also coaches us in how to serve with love, how to 
turn away from our sin, how to grow in faith, how to care for others. Now, of course, the Bible does more than these four activities. We have just been talking about how God relates to us through the Bible. But Paul's point is that these ones in particular equip believers for godly living. That's what verse 17 says. Have a look. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, if you're opening up the Bible and you're reading a chapter, you're not necessarily going to find all four activities in, in every chapter you look at. But all the same, the Bible is amazing because it will do these four activities for us as we come in faith, sit under it in obedience, and pray for it to take effect by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's why we have an emphasis on the Bible in our church. We believe the Bible equips us for all of life and is the one reliable source of wisdom from God and knowledge about God. Now, as I consider our church, I think most of us are on board with this. You know, we wholeheartedly agree that the Bible is the divinely inspired word of God which will powerfully transform our lives. I'm sure you consider it to be of huge importance. Yet I suspect that many of you struggle to read it regularly, to read it personally. So I want to consider three motivations for why we should engage in personally reading the Bible. The first is so that we can know what we believe and why we believe it, so we can stand firm on our convictions. This was brought home to me this week when I received an email from a DPC couple that had some people knock on their door who claimed to be Christians, but they were pulling out random Bible verses and saying weird things about God. It turned out these visitors, these door knockers, were from a cult. Now, I'm so glad that this couple emailed me afterwards because I could give them some material to read, but point them to the Bible so they could see what God actually says. You see, you need to know the content of the Bible, otherwise someone might misuse it, misquote it, and confuse you and lead you down the wrong path. The second motivation for reading the Bible regularly is so we can get our transformative dosage up. It's easy to think that it's enough to listen to a weekly sermon and perhaps attend a gospel community three or four times a month, but consider the amount of alternative input you are regularly getting in your life. We consume movies, TV shows, podcasts, music, books, which present a distorted view of the world. It's not in line with God's vision of how his world actually works. We spend hours on social media receiving micro-doses of counter-Christian and anti-God messages. Believe it or not, your mind is being chemically altered and shaped through these interactions so that you're addicted to your screen, addicted to outrage, addicted to lies dressed up as entertainment. And just think about all the content creators, the software developers, the marketing experts who pour countless hours into getting you hooked to their product, to consuming their content. And then you think that a little bit of Bible here and there is enough to counter all of that. You're dreaming. You need to level up your dosage of the Bible. And the third motivation for reading the Bible that I want to highlight is it's how you grow in your love of God. And we might think, well, 
I'll read the Bible when I kind of feel more excited about it or when, when I sense that God is near, then I'll read his word. But we've seen that God speaks to us through his word. And so if we want to know him better, if we want to draw near to him, if we want to be fired up for love of him, we need to go where he is. He's present in his word. We need to read the Bible. We need to make use of the means that he's provided. So I don't know, maybe, maybe those three motivations help, one or two of them more than the others. But with those motivations in our minds, let's consider our Bible reading. Let's look at how to make the most of God's transforming word. The first idea is to have your own copy of the Bible. I know that might sound obvious, but there are many Christians who don't own a Bible. So go buy one. I'm not saying go to the bookshop at Northland or anything like that, because who knows what you might end up with. Uh, Go to Kurong or Reformers Bookshop. Get yourself a good translation. We use the New International Version here at DPC. Can't go wrong with that. Grab a copy of the NIV. Now, you could also get a digital Bible. I highly recommend the Version Bible app. Many of you already have it. Uh, it has lots of translations. It even has uh, audio options. Uh, if you're after a more sophisticated audio Bible, then I recommend the Dwell app. It has some high-quality audio Bibles read out by real humans, not those annoying bot voices. Uh, it is a bit... You've got to pay for it. The, uh, the Version one is free. You've got to pay for Dwell, but I think it's worth the effort. It even has Bible reading plans, so you can just hit play and it'll just read out a number of different passages for you. And I think it's important to say that audio Bibles can be a helpful way of just letting the Bible kind of wash over you, for you to soak in it. Sometimes we might think, oh, the only real worthwhile reading of the Bible is like an in-depth two-hour study with a dictionary and an atlas. No, actually, we can take different types of approach, have a varied diet of the Bible so that we are taking it in different ways. Now, if you've spoken to me about different resources, you know that I love digital apps, digital resources, but I do want to stress the importance of having a physical Bible. Now, I appreciate that some of you are going to disagree with me here. Some of you just consider me a bit old-fashioned, just need to get with the times, but hear me out. The Bible has a shape and a structure that impacts on how we read it. We've already seen that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. You know, certain books follow on from others. Some are grouped together by themes. Reading a physical Bible can help you learn the names of the book, books of the Bible, where, where they're located. It can help you get a feel of where a particular book fits within the flow of salvation history. You can go, oh, the Apostle Paul and Noah weren't actually good mates. It can help you to understand the big picture. It can even help you to put a passage in the wider context. You've got your Bible open, you can see here are verses for today and there's some other passages there, another passage there. You can flip over the page and see how it all fits together. Only ever using a digital Bible is a bit like looking at an elephant close up through a magnifying glass. You know, you kind of get a, a really good look at a particular part of the elephant, but you can't really see the whole animal all at once. You don't get a sense of how the tail and the trunk and the ears and the legs all fit together. You're too zoomed in. 
So maybe I've convinced you, maybe I haven't. Happy to talk some more about this. The point is, get a physical Bible, a printed one. And here's a really radical idea. Maybe even bring that Bible to church on a Sunday. And the reason I say that is, as you're reading your own Bible, you start to kind of memorise and map out the geography of your own particular Bible. You've got passage open. You remember where different parts are on the particular parts of the page. It's useful. Anyway, I can go on about that. Let's move on. My next piece of advice is to have a plan for reading and studying the Bible. You know, we've all fallen victim to the kind of random flip approach to reading the Bible. You sit down, what should I read? I don't know, the Holy Spirit will guide me. Oh, thanks, Holy... Oh, I've read that already. We might kind of spiritualise it, but actually it's often just because we don't have a plan. We don't know what to do. Other times we decide that we're going to read through the Bible, we're going to start in Genesis 1 and we're going to work our way through and it goes really well for the first few weeks or months and then we get to Leviticus and there's all these weird laws about like skin sores and what to do with dead bodies and it's kind of just getting a bit too much. So get a plan. Head to the Bible reading section of our website's resources page for a whole list of recommendations. In fact, there was a social media post about that just yesterday from DPC. Uh, there's a link to it in our welcome card today. You can even go old school when you are, or go out and buy your printed Bibles. You can also then get a printed copy of a Bible reading plan. I know that looks overwhelming, but you just take it a day at a time. I can give you a copy of this after the service. Put it in your Bible. When you've done your reading, you tick it off and you get a sense of achievement. Look, I've done something worthwhile with my life. You can also use use an app, so the YouVersion uh, devotion, uh, the Bible app has devotions, reading plans in there that you can work through. Pick one that feels achievable and that will help you stay interested. So maybe go for reading through a few New Testament books and a psalm a day. Or maybe you do want to try the whole Bible in a year and now's a great time to choose to do that. Don't choose like November, December to read the whole Bible by the end of the year. It's not going to happen. I tend to read through the whole Bible every second year, and so this is an on year, so I've just started recently. And it's worth mentioning that reading the whole Bible, or even just the whole New Testament, again, can be super helpful for seeing how it all fits together, because you're taking a step back so you can see the whole elephant. I've noticed that when Tracy and I show iconic movies to our kids, they'll often be familiar with, like, particular scenes or quotes because they've seen them as memes. They're like, oh, I've seen, I've seen that, I understand that, I know that quote. Oh, now I get why people say that. And when it comes to the Bible, Christians can like know a few verses, they can know some stories, they can know some characters, but because they consume the Bible in snippets and memes and quotes, they don't see the elephant. They don't know how it fits together. And so the danger of that is, they struggle to hear from God. They struggle to resist false teachers. They struggle to be transformed. Another part of having a plan is getting a good devotion book, something that will guide you through a passage. Now, the best one to ask questions about the passage, get you to think about how it applies to you. So not only does YouVersion, the Bible app, have reading plans, it also has plans with devotions as well that kind of ask different questions. Also, the Good Book Company, my favourite Christian publishers, 
They have stacks of these devotions for all sorts of ages, right down from preschool to adults. I highly recommend the Explore Daily Devotion. And if anyone has spent more than two minutes talking to me about Bible devotions and study plans, you you will have heard me talk about this app and this book. So you can get that in print or as an app, the Explore Daily Devotion. Write it down, look it up, buy a copy. Okay, we're almost there. My final thought on how to make the most of the transformative power of God's word is to speak to God and to others about what you are reading. So if God speaks to us through his word, then we speak back to him in prayer. So before you open the Bible, pray that God would help you to not only understand what you read, but to hear from him. And then after praying, after reading, pray to God about what you have read. And in this way, you're engaging in a dialogue with God. Now, I know that intellectually, I often find that hard experientially, and I have to keep reminding myself, this is how God has chosen, and it won't feel the same as a kind of two-way conversation with someone in real life that you might have in person, physically present there, but actually you'll be amazed when you commit to this, how God does actually work in your life, shaping you, helping you, guiding you. And speaking to other believers is a great way to be transformed by the Bible. One particular way you can do that is by speaking to people after church. I mean, how wonderful would it be if a key part of our time over morning tea was to talk about how God had impacted on us during the service, what we got out of the sermon, how we're thinking about the Bible. Why not ask someone today what their plan is for reading the Bible in 2024? And if they don't have a plan, book in a plan with them. You can go to the shops together and and buy a Bible or jump online together. Why not ask them one thing that they were challenged by in God's word today? And why not do that every Sunday, not just today? Don't just go, oh, Adam said, let's do it today. Tick, done that, what's next? Do it every Sunday. Be talking to each other about the word. God has given us the Bible so that we can know him and follow him. As we read it, we are transformed because we encounter God and we learn from him how to live for him. But let's be honest, this takes hard work and persistence. Which is why we need to fire our hearts up. It's why we need to fire each other up. We need to encourage each other. And so thinking back to the start of this sermon, I hope you feel even like, you know, 2%, 5% more excited about reading the Bible. And if that's the case, then get your own Bible, get a plan, get talking to God and others. Read your Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful thing it is that you communicate to us in your word. What an absolute privilege it is to have the Bible in our own language that we can read, a Bible that we can touch and interact with. And so we pray that you would help us to make the most of this wonderful privilege so that we can hear from you, we can know you, we can draw near to you. Please help us to overcome the hurdles and barriers that make this harder. And may we as a church family encourage one another to be committed to this so that together we can be growing in our understanding of your word, but more importantly, our love of you. Amen.